Hey, come on, turn somebody, give them a high five, man. Welcome to BC. So excited you are with us. We've got Seek next Sunday. We're excited for Seek. Uh, we will be singing that song. That is a powerful, powerful song, and we'll be getting to that song at Seek next Sunday night. If you're not familiar with Seek, it is our what we do on the first Sunday of every month. We come together at 6 o'clock p.m. on a Sunday, and uh, we just, it's our time to worship and it's time to pray and just give God the whole month. The month belongs to the Lord. We seek him, we pursue him, we go after him. And that is next Sunday night, which is a powerful night. And uh, we'll be singing that. That's a powerful song. What is it to walk in that intimacy and that closeness to God? Psalm 73, 28 says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. What is it to walk in, whether you're highest or you're lowest, whether it's no matter what season of life, man, you, you understand if I am close to God, that is for my good. He is near. He is present always. And just, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. And listen, I just wanted to get into this morning. If you want to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, um, as you're turning there, we're going to turn to a few places. But I just want to share my heart as your pastor. And uh, I am privileged and honored to be the pastor of Believer's Chapel. And God is doing amazing, amazing things. And his mighty hand is on this place. As we preach the word, we hold the line to the absolute truth of God's word. And in that, man, it, it's, it's the deal. If you're new to BC and maybe you don't know the history, we're not going to go way back. But um, in 2009, Renee, who is my lovely wife, she and I, uh, with a, several people who are still in this church, um, Brennan and Teresa, Brennan was on our drums today. He's our lead worship leader. And like we started Believer's Chapel in our living room in 2009. And we just prayed, God, do a mighty work in this region, in this area. And we were a plant off of Heritage of Flame and Southside Union Chapel from David Hearn and just had an amazing relationship with him. He's on the board here, still a great relationship with him. And we want, we want to do something significant for the kingdom of God here in this region, New York, Pennsylvania. And we do, man. We have reached an hour plus. People drive an hour and 15 plus uh, weekly to be able to be a part of this ministry. And that's amazing to us. But this last month, this last three weeks in particular has been uh, just some, some seasons and some hurt for our family. Our family has been hurt because part of our family has been going through just tragedy and just hurt. And when your family hurts, you hurt. You, you weep with those who weep. You rejoice with those who rejoice. And you know, over the last three weeks, it started three weeks ago, not four weeks ago on Sunday, where our dear brother, who's 21 years old, Razvan Antudik, who left our parking lot, turned left, turned left at the light, and within three minutes, he was with Jesus because of a motorcycle accident. And just walking the family through that. And then uh, a couple weeks later, uh, a family from our church, Scott and Ricky, uh, Shane and, and Ricky Scott, Shane and Ricky Scott, husband and wife with children. Her brother, who's not a part of BC, was a part of another church up towards Houghton and Letchworth. But Shane and Ricky and their family have been a part of BC for some time. Her brother was in a logging accident and got struck by a log and instantaneously went home to be with Jesus and leaves behind three children, 14, 12, and 9, whose mother passed away a few years ago from an illness. So here you have uh, three kids now without a mother or a father because of a tragic accident and just being with the family and encouraging them and building them. And then just one week ago, 
a dear friend and dear sister of Believer Chapel, Miss Mary McFall, who left Believer Chapel Sunday afternoon and went out for a walk as she regularly does. And um, a vehicle came alongside and unfortunately struck her and instantaneously she was with Jesus. And that's, that's such tragic and it's so hard on family. We had the funeral here at church on Friday and you know, you, you have this church. We're from our living room and from the, the prep of that, Brennan, Teresa, Renee and I, for uh, months and months and months before we ever had our first service, we would meet and we would fast and we would pray and we would meet and we would go through fasting and we would pray, God, do something with this church. We know you've called us to this, but God, we need, we need great people, God. We want people who understand what it is to serve. And church, this is what I love is you go to bed on Friday night after a funeral, after just the, the three weeks that you've had and it's just like, there's this sense of brokenness as a pastor, but there is this sense of, of this, and, and it's hard to explain, but it's just like, God, we have the greatest people on the planet who serve other people in this church. Lord, this is an answer to our prayer from 2008 when we started praying and fasting and believing, going into our first service, May of 2009. Say, God, we need people who know serving. And we need people who understand a level of excellence because Believer's Chapel, we never have ever thought and we will never think that church is allowed to be sloppy. So many times, like churches, well, it's just the church, so it's okay to be sloppy. I don't think so. We serve the King of Kings and we serve the mighty God who created the heavens and the earth, who gives us the blue skies and the amazing sea. And he is a God of detail and he's a God of beauty. And he's a God of creation and he is a God who has a, a level of excellence all to himself. And we as a church, because we serve a mighty King who is the King of Kings, who've done so much for us and we are his church, we have always tried to live to a level of excellence as the church. I don't think any church should ever go by sloppy and just be like accepted. Well, it's okay because it's just the church. I have the opposite. I think sloppy is of the devil and I think we ought to live by a level of excellence. And man, and I go to bed on Friday night, Renee and I, and it's just like, Lord, what, what we have in this church, we are so thankful and we are so proud of this church. And I'm so proud of so many people who would take days off of work, days, to come serve at many different unfortunate events, tragic events, who would love and spend time with family, who would do so much to, to, to cook and so much to provide food, so much even financially, to be able to function at a level where I believe the church is called to function at, but we have and I hope every pastor can say this, and I don't know, I cannot speak for anybody but myself, where I honestly go to bed on Friday night after going through a funeral for Mary and just like, God, we have, I am so proud of this church because we have the greatest people on the planet who serve and who love one another in tragic times. We understand what it is to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. We understand what it is to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We understand what it is to understand family. And there is a fullness in me, broken, but yet proud, that we're able to do what I believe God has called this, this body to do for the hurting and the broken. 
And man, we have had quite the month, man. We have had quite the season as a church. We've had great loss. And we have been with the families and building the families and encouraging the families. And, but I am so thankful, and I mean this with everything within me, man. I am so grateful, and I am so proud of this church. It is, it's truly an honor to stand before you week after week. Say, God, you've called us to this. And I was juiced just being a full-time policeman. I, that was my world, man. I loved the SWAT team. I loved the undercover. I loved catching bad guys. Like, I, lo- I love justice. We need to see more justice, but I loved justice. And I loved where there was a true victim and we could catch the bad guy. And I loved that, and that was my world, and that was the training that God had called me to that so I could be trained for this. I'm so proud of this church and so many who spend so much time in serving at this church and serving the hurting and the broken. It It is a privilege, truly to be your pastor and it's a privilege to serve right alongside those and, and, and be encouraged by those and to be built by those who just continue to serve the body of Christ as a whole. And church, it is something special. And I want you to know this, man, if this is your house and this is your family, you belong to something special with the greatest people on the planet. And there's just proof in that by their level of serving and their level of excellence that it takes so much to do what God's called us to do at this level, to honor and glorify first the King of Kings and then to come alongside the hurting and the broken and to see God's plan unfold. And I am so grateful to God Almighty for his mighty hand upon this work and upon this church and what he's doing. But man, I have to give a great thanks to those who are part of this, this church who call this place home. Every person who gives to this church, you're a part of this. We do a lot for families. We do a lot in, in, in being thankful for those who are part of this church. We do a lot financially for, for so many other families. Every person who gives, you're a part of this, man. You're a piece to this amazing work that God's doing. Every person who gives up time to be a part of this and volunteering, we have to run on volunteers. We're, we, we are uh, low on staff, not because we don't, we need more staff. We are low on staff on purpose because we are, we are able to function at just a high level. I mean, a high level on our volunteers. It's unbelievable. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And I'm very proud of this church. Our stance and our foundation of God's word is true and there is no other. Our stance is we have to see things through a biblical lens. The foundation of the word stands, the same word that that was from the beginning of time is the same word to the end of time. It doesn't change because of any type of, of yearly change. The word is true. The word is true. It's unchangeable. And I love that we stand firm on the word of God here. I just want to say thank you as it's been a, a, a crazy, crazy month. And there's seasons, you know this in life, Church, there's seasons you have the highest, and then there's seasons you're just like, God, what is happening? God, we have to trust that you are good. And I will stand firm. What happens, church, when you come out of this, 
when you go through a season and no matter what that season was, whether it is the highest of highs and you're like, you're functioning and everything is going good. You're like, oh man, no, my season is great, man. I'm really in the best season of my life. This is great, man. At that point, you have to say, God is good and I will stand firm. You have to say in the highest of highs, don't think you got there by yourself, right? God is the one who's created the ability to get wealth. God is the one who's created relationships and emotions. God is the one who put you in this beautiful place and say, no, my season is good. I'm in a good season. Then you have to not forget, God, you are good and I will stand firm. And then the same is also for those who go through the very worst seasons of time, times that no one would want to go through, seasons that are tragic, seasons that are unexpected, and going through it, keeping our eyes on our faith and going through to say, God, this is what I have to say, that God, you are good, and God, I'll stand firm. My circumstances don't dictate your goodness, for you are good, and I know that you are good, and I will stand firm. Church, what happens when you see the church come alongside these people to encourage and to build and to pray and to speak and encourage and to build and to pray and to speak and encourage and to build and to pray and to speak to just continue to remind every single person God is good and you need to stand firm. God is good and you need to stand firm. And I see that from this church. And I went to bed Friday night Broken but full, if you can understand that. Broken and hurting but very proud of what God's called us to. God's given us an assignment in this area. This is our assignment. And I want to tell you I love you and I'm grateful. And the highest of highs and the worst tragic seasons of people's lives, I am grateful to be the pastor of this church. It is a privilege and it is an honor. And I got to get to preaching here, but I just wanted to share my heart as it's been a week for this church in so many different ways and so many different families. And we hurt with them and we love them. And I just want to say thank you because we're all a part of this and we're in this together for, for the cause of Christ. And at all costs, we continue to strive forward. Come on, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this house. We thank you so much for what you're doing amongst the people of this church. And God, I personally thank you for the people that are in this place that are your servants. They serve you and they serve people with a level of excellence. God, I am proud of it and I thank you for it. I thank you for your mighty hand being on this church. And I thank you for blessing us. I ask as we get into your word today, you would speak into our lives and speak into our hearts today. Feed us today from your word in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Come on, amen. amen. All right, 11 o'clock, you're with me, you're with me. Come on, First Peter chapter two. Hey, I love this. If you are a part of this family and you're new, you wanna be like, you're just like, oh, I love this church. Like we have decals that have cross equals love. It's our big banners up there. We didn't create this. We didn't make this up. Someone else made this up, but um, it's just great. The cross does equal love, and it has a believer's chapel on it. And I love it because as I'm driving, I see these little decals on people's cars, and I don't know every one of your cars, not even close, but I'll see a car with this decal on it, and I'm just like, as I drive, like if you know the yellow Jeep, like you can't miss the yellow Jeep. No top, no doors. You can't miss it, right? So you know me, and I don't know you, So, but I, have, I see your, your, your decal, and I get all excited. I'm like, okay, like if I 
past this person? Like, are they going to not come to church because they're, they're fragile? Like, I don't know. Like, if I pass you and you don't come to church, you got too many feels, man. You're fragile. But like, like what are they going to think? And I'm just like, like, and then some of you drive like you should drive. Like, you put it down, man. Like, let's go. Like, put the pedal down and get to where you're going. I'm not, listen, I'm a cop. I'm not saying speed. I'm just saying don't go slow. That's all I'm saying. And uh, it was amazing. I said this in the first service, and somebody was driving out going, I drove like you, and I got a ticket. I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, if you want a decal, man, we got a whole stack of them out there. Put it on your window, and let's uh, continue to see God fill this place. You're part of something special, church. You're truly a part of something special, and I love it. Come on, let's, let's look at this, man. First Peter, and we're going we're gonna to get into a new series. Kind of started the series a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day. Uh, that was kind of the start. We didn't announce the new series. I've been holding off on this series. I wanted to do it before we got into the book of James. James took us maybe two, three months, which was amazing study through James. This series has been on my heart even before James, but I really felt like we need to get in James. So I really feel like I can pull the trigger on this series. And the series is this, the marks of a mature believer. Like what are the marks of a mature believer? And once you understand there's immature believers and there's mature believers, and what's the difference? There's immature believers, there's non-believers, there's immature believers, and then there's mature believers, right? There's three levels. Either you're saved or you're not. You're not in between. You're saved or you're not or you're saved and newly saved and you're immature wanting to grow, or you've been saved for, for a while and you've never grown, and that's gotta change. That's just gotta change. So there's not saved, and then there's saved and immature, and then there's saved and mature and maturing. No one ever reaches the end until we get home. I wanna be 70 and maturing. And if the Lord would tarry, I want to be 80 and continue to mature in Christ. Like we, we don't gain it all until we get home uh, to Jesus. So this is going to be one of those series. I'm just saying, man, it's going to be a great series. It's going, to, it's going to punch us where we need to be punched. It's going to encourage and build us where we need to be built up and encouraged. And then, okay, God, I need to not be afraid on this. There's things that we've got to tackle in this, this, this series. Like, like, you know, a mature believer, the mark of a mature believer is your mouth. Renee, my bride, covered that brilliantly on Mother's Day. We will not have to re-hit that one. But one of the messages preached on Mother's Day is what do you decree? What, what are the words coming out of your mouth? And Renee handled that with excellence. If you've not heard that, go back to Mother's Day message. You can watch that. Uh, we don't have to keep hitting that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? So that marks of, of a mature believer, one of those, you can tell if someone's mature or immature or even unsaved by words that they speak. And I'm not talking like swear words. I'm talking about the maturity of their mouth. When they speak, do they just scream immaturity, right? When they talk over everybody, when they just, when they speak in a way that you're like, ah, what, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Like the marks of a mature believer is the words that we speak, right? That's one of them. And we talked about that. We're going to look at, look at the mark of a mature believer. We're not going to hit it so much today, but the mark of a mature believer is your, your level of hating sin. The Bible says one who loves the Lord will hate evil. Do you hate evil or do you not hate evil? Are you tolerant to evil or do you not accept evil? Do you call out evil? Are you light or, or do you call out darkness? That's what light's supposed to do is to expose darkness. These are marks of mature believer. We'll, we'll cover these things. We're going to look at these things. The mark of a mature believer is that you know your mission. You know the mission of God and you are fulfilling. You are working hard to fulfill the mission and the assignment that God has called you to. 
That is one of the marks of a mature believer, right? That is one of the marks of a mature believer. One of the marks of a mature believer is you have, you have a mindset that understands eternal life. Like you, you keep, watch this, hear this, you keep your perspective on that which is eternal and not that which is temporary. That is what we're going to hit next week. Don't miss that. Next week, we're going to look at temporary versus eternal. And the mark, watch this, a mark of a mature believer. Have you ever talked to that believer and, and they just talk about heaven and they talk about eternal life and they're excited about going home and they're not afraid of death? Like we're going to really look at that. That is a mark of a mature believer because they get it. They, and we've had to handle this even in the funerals these past few weeks. Like when you understand absent from this body is to go home. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians. Listen, I could be absent from this body and I could be going home. Just what is it to understand that and, and put my perspective on when I die, I live. Therefore, I'll never see death. Jesus says this in John 11. Therefore, I understand what it is on the reality of eternal life, what it means to go home. Today, I'm just trying to lay this foundation and, and build some excitement that you will bring and invite and come back and just hear what God has for us in this. this it's going to be a deep, it's going to be uh, disciplined, it's going to be correction. It's all these beautiful things that you want when you come to church. You want to come to church to be encouraged and built up. You want to come to church to, to, to feel like that lion that is so strong. You want to come to church and realize what the Bible really says compared to what the world says so there can be correction and there can be conviction. Like These are things that we're going to see when, we, when, when the growing process at times, watch this now, the growing process at times can hurt. Right? Have you ever grown and matured? And that takes it. Like, you remember, like, I have two other brothers. Like, I probably never got disciplined. Todd got disciplined. Brent got disciplined. They understand the discipline process hurts, right? With the, with the spoon or with the belt or whatever that was. I'm not saying I was perfect. I'm saying I didn't get caught. There's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> Leonard, you think you know things, Pops. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing that parents actually think they know what their kids did? You keep that thought, Dad. I love that. That's amazing. Come on, let's look at this. First Peter chapter 2, it says this. Again, the difference between the immature believer, and maybe that's just because you're newly saved. Man, maybe you truly just came in to the reality of faith. You just maybe are coming into it. And I mean, maybe in the last month, maybe in the last six months, maybe in the last even couple years, because we just, again, we're never done growing, but there can be this, this idea of the old is gone. This is a truth. The old is gone and the new has come. I, I no longer, uh, I've repented from sin, which means I've changed my mind. It's a mind turn. I've turned my mind against sin. I realize that this is flesh and this is worldly. This isn't godly. This isn't holy. And in my forgiveness and in my, in my understanding of redemption and in my understanding of salvation and being delivered, I realize the old is gone and the new has come. I realize I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I get that. I understand what it means to say, no, I'm walking away from sin because I'm a born again believer in Jesus Christ. Christ, that is dead to me. That's old to me. I have that which is holiness now, and I serve God Almighty in Jesus Christ, and all things have become new. I've got a new nature. Man, I, I know that I have eternal life. Like, what happens when there is that change as a believer that when you truly repent from your sin, you change your mind towards sin, you believe in Jesus Christ as the only Savior of the world. Jesus put himself on a cross for me, and I get that, and I know that I'm born again, and I have confessed that he is my Lord, and I I've surrendered to him. I'm all in. I get it. 
And then there is, watch this, watch this, in the beginning of that salvation, that being born again, there is this growing period. Like we need to now grow, we need to learn, we need to be hungry for the word. And I love this because if you truly love Jesus, I mean you love Jesus, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love him with all, you understand what God did for us on that cross. You understand Jesus put himself on the cross for our sins. He took the hit for me and I love him. Man, I want you to love his word. He's put everything on page for you and I to know him. I want to know him. I want to have a deeper knowledge of him. I want to love him deeper and know him than love his word and study his word to know him. When you read the scripture, study it to know him. I want to know you more. I want to know your ways. I want to hear your heart. I want to see who you are because I know you in a way of salvation, but I want to know you on page and he's given us everything we need in the Bible. And where is your hunger for the word? A mark of a mature believer is hungry for the word. Is hungry for the word. And a subtitle to this whole series is it's time to get off the milk and onto the meat. There's a time to get off the milk and onto the meat. Like I said, I've been holding on to this and praying through this. The Lord put this on my heart to preach this series. And it's just like, okay, let's preach it. And then, and then I wasn't freed to preach it yet. And then James come up and I'm like, okay. And I believe that now is that time. And, and, I'm excited about this. And it says this, come on. Chapter two, first Peter verse one, therefore putting aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. So that watch this, so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. I love this, right? Watch what it says. Therefore putting aside, like that's the old life. Like this is sin. The believer understands there is a difference, right? There is a change. There is a surrender. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. We sung that this morning. There is this intimacy between me and God that I love him and I want to follow hard after him and I want to serve him and I want to cling to him. Man, I want to do his ways and not my ways. Like there is this change that takes place in our spirit when we are born again. The Holy Spirit who is holy comes in our lives and dwells and remains within us. And we get to this and say, therefore, putting aside, like this is the old way. That's the old me. Man, there's a new me. There's a new life in me. Putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. And this is us as newborn babies, and we're, we're longing, and the word here is equated to needing that, that word and that milk. And we're going to see where there comes a time as not a newborn baby, but as a time as a mature believer, it's time to put away the milk and get onto the meat and get into the word and get in the depth of the word and live a life that matters according to the word of God. Not your idea, not man's idea, not political idea, not your parents' idea if they're unsaved, but what God's idea for me as I belong to him as a son or a daughter. And this is so important. This is so important. So that it may, watch this, so that you may grow in your respect to salvation. So we see just right off the bat, there is a growing process, right? There is a maturing process that we are seeing take place. And then I love this verse. It says this, the end of verse two, for if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. See, if we are growing in our salvation to be saved, which means you've had to taste the kindness of the Lord. 
The Bible says this, that it is the kindness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. It's not the gavel. It's not the, 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 the angry speech. There's heaven and there's hell and you're going to burn forever. If you don't come to Jesus, he loves you. Like that doesn't like, to me, that's just like, ah, that doesn't work for me. Yes, there's eternal life in heaven or hell. If you reject and don't want to believe in Jesus, your choice, there's a consequence to that. And there is this place called hell for those who stiff arm Jesus, for those who don't want to believe Jesus, those who won't be born again. There is that place called hell, but there's also eternal life in heaven for those who've accepted believed and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the Bible says, what is it that leads men to repent? It's the kindness, the grace, the favor, the love of God. When I know that there is a holy God in my filthy, dirty, rotten sin, but yet God is holy, that he loved me with his grace going first, his favor upon me that I do not deserve, nor can I earn. But God loved me. His grace is for me. God is kindness towards me. That leads me to repentance, to change my mind towards sin, because God is love and he loves me. That's where this is. That's where this is. So when you see uh, just a continuation on the growth process, turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to see this. And this just continues to build this foundation for this series that, listen, what are the marks of a mature believer? Like, am I, am I in that sense of, a, of maturity? Am I really wanting to grow? Am I wanting to learn? Am I wanting, wanting to study? Am I, am I identifying different places in my life that I'm changing? Am I identifying different places in my life that I'm growing? And please hear me, I love this because if the Lord allows or, or if Jesus would, would wait on his return, if I hit 80, I want to be growing. I want to be 80 and better than I am now. I want to be 80 and stronger in my heart and my spirit towards the Lord. I want to be 80 and love him more with everything that I've got. Like I want this constant place of growth in my maturity in Christ. And I love this 2 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right in verse 1, it says this. And this is Paul. Paul's writing to uh, the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is a train wreck, man. They're a mess. They're living by their flesh. They're living in sin. Uh, they don't quite understand the whole maturity process. Paul has to write this to the Corinthian church. These guys are a mess. Like, true story, they're getting drunk on the communion juice. Like, we only have grape juice. I'm not against wine, but they took it too far. Man, they're like, oh, give me. They didn't have the little cups, apparently. They, uh, whatever it took for them to get drunk on the communion juice, Paul's like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. They actually had prostitutes, the temple prostitutes, out front for when church service got over. Could you imagine that? That just like, but this is the condition of the church. It's a mess, right? So Paul writes this, and I love what he says here, right? Chapter three, verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh. Watch this. As men of flesh. There's the battle between flesh and spirit. There's the battle to understand that fleshly things have been laying aside. I lot to lay aside. I got to say no to the flesh. I got to say no to sin. And this is where Paul is to this. But as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. Hey guys, do we have to re-hit this thing again? Hey, have you not grown past this in Christ? Like this is where Paul is in this. I can't even speak to you as mature men because you're not there. I got to speak to you as infants in Christ because of your flesh. This is what he's saying, right? But as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ, I gave you, this is what he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, 
for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. See, this is where we say it's time to get off the milk and onto the meat. It's time to, to be in this place as, as one who's walking in Christ, one who says, yes, I'm a born again believer. Yes, I trust his word is true. Then where is that difference and where is that change? And listen, it, it's not going from immature to maturity in a day. You get saved today. It's not your mature tomorrow. Like there is this grace allowed that goes from faith to faith. There is this grace allowed that as you go through things, you understand things that we just continue to grow in him and we continue to mature and we continue to recognize flesh versus spirit and we continue to grow up in these things because Paul says this again, verse two, I gave you milk to drink and not solid food for you were not yet able. He's like, I wanted to give you meat, but you weren't ready. So I have, to, I have to still just put the bottle in your mouth and just keep sucking on a bottle. He's like, I wanted to give you meat, but you weren't ready. Watch what he says. I had to give you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. For Watch this now, verse three. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Paul's like, listen, there comes a season you got to put aside the flesh. There comes a season, if you just want to live fleshly, you're always just going to be on the bottle. You're not ready for the meat. You're not ready for change. You're not ready for conviction. Like, th this is where Paul's at. Like, I have to keep giving you the bottle because you're not ready, because all this flesh is still in there. And one of the marks of a mature believer is identifying the flesh and saying, I want to walk in the spirit. And I don't want to walk in the flesh. Identifying the flesh. Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians 4, please. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 11. I want you to see this. And I love this because this speaks... This speaks to me to make sure that I'm doing my part. Again, as God has called me to lead this church and I've got this amazing team and I have this amazing staff. <laughs> I love our staff and we laugh and we have fun and we have real moments and we get into the word together and we pray together. And it's, and it's a, a wonderful family as a staff. It's a privilege to lead this staff. God has given me an assignment as a pastor biblically to make sure that I am doing my part and how I lead this church and how I stand before you. Knowing, watch this, knowing there's a day that I stand before him to give an account. I mean, I, I, I'm not walking on water, ain't nobody perfect, but I'm doing my part to grow and I'm doing my part to mature and I'm doing my part to understand my call. As God has called me to do a specific thing here, We'll see it. Look with me, please. Look with me with care. Let's check this out. Verse 11, it says, And then God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. This is why. This is my call. This is what God has called me to do as a pastor. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. To the building up of the body of Christ. It is my responsibility to equip you to do the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ. God's hand is on this church. 
and, and God is doing some mighty things in and through this church. And that is the building up of the body of Christ. Building up means to encourage. When you see what it is to be built up, that is to encourage. And the word encourage means to build courage. We speak a lot about this in a sense of what it means to not be afraid, what it means to not fear, what it means to go through persecution, what it means to stand firm, what it means to put on your armor, what it means to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Stand firm. Be courageous. Stand firm. Be courageous. Stand your ground. Part of our favorite, my personally, part of my favorite part of Proverbs, that's more of a family verse for me and my house, that's Proverbs 28.1 and Proverbs 30.30. Proverbs 28.1 says the righteous are bold as a lion. I think we are called to be bold and to build courage means to build courage. To be encouraged means courage has been built. Something happens in our spirit. Something happens in our soul when we are at that place to say, I need to be, to be encouraged so that I can be courageous. Encouragement builds somebody to be courageous. Be bold as a lion. And the Proverbs 30, 30 speaks of the lion and it speaks of a lion that knows who he is. He knows his place. Why is he the king of the jungle? Because he's confident. He knows exactly who he is. He knows his place in the jungle. He's confident in that. And the Bible says in Proverbs 30, 30 that a lion retreats before no man. I want to have no retreat as we encourage and build and speak life and prepare you for the work of service and prepare you for the work of ministry, prepare you to get in this region that we live in, New York and Pennsylvania, to prepare you to do what God's called us to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, as servants of God. A mark of the mature believer is when it says, I know my role. Man, I know my mission. I know what I'm called to. And I am called to work and build the kingdom of God. This is a mark of the mature believer. And it's on me as a pastor to speak, to speak such foundational truth. Say, God, it's time to build up a church that is equipped. To build people who are made ready. The word equipped, it means to be made ready. Be made ready to be bold. Be made ready to be strong, be made ready to be unashamed, to be made ready to take some hits, be made ready for persecution, be made ready to do what's right when the world says it's wrong and, the, what, and then when the world says something's right and God says it's wrong, where's our stand on that? Like when you see the things of the flesh, man, we're, we're, we're battling so much in regards to the flesh. I want you to see this. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain, watch this, the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Watch this, to a mature man. There it is. To a mature man, to the measure, to the measure of the statue which it belongs to the fullness of God. Verse 14 is huge. As a result, as, watch this, as a result of being mature. As a result of being equipped and being made ready. As a result of being courageous and being strong. This is what it says, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every word of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. But speaking truth in love, we are to grow up. There it is. We are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ.
So church, what is it that we would, we truly understand what it means to say it's time to mature. It's time to grow up in all aspects pertaining to him. Well, if you could put up there, please. First Corinthians 14, put that up there, please. Church, what happens when you look at this and you say, okay, brethren, and you can just leave it up. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Do not be children in your thinking. And then look at this. Yet evil be infants. And there's so much that is going on in our society that we can, we've got to be able to train our brain, man. We've got to be able to get our thinker on target. We have to be able to think in terms of right and wrong. You have to. You have to be able to think in terms of this is flesh and this is spirit. You have to be able to think in simple terms of this is God's word and that's not. We, we must have a biblical perspective. We must have our Bible goggles on and our glasses to be able to see things through a biblical perspective. What does God say about this? Not politics, not world, not friends, not colleges. What does God say about this? Please check what I say with what God says about this. Don't just blindly trust me. I'm asking you that. I appreciate that you do. I don't think you'd be here for long term if you didn't. And I appreciate that you trust me. But please search the scriptures out yourself. Please search God's word out yourself. Be hungry for God's word. Test what's being told here, please. We have to train our brain. Colossians says that we are to set our mind on things above where Christ is. We are to fix our mind, not on things of the world, but on things of heaven. Right? We, we have to say, oh God, I know that Christ, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And in that, I'm going to keep seeking the things above where Christ is. I'm going to keep seeking the things above where Christ is. I'm, I'm not going to set my, my mind on things of the earth, but I'm going to set my mind on things that are above. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. When you, when you understand, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Do not fix your eyes on things of the earth. I'm going to set my eyes, my thinker. I'm going to think on that which is above. I mean, what happens when you look at this and say, do not be children in your thinking. There is a maturity process that takes place in our thinker. Man, my, my uncle Paul, who was uh, my favorite preacher of all times, he just would just bring the word, man. He was phenomenal. And he would say, as much as you cannot as much as you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, you can stop it from landing on your head and making a nest. As much as you can't stop thoughts coming into your mind, you can stop it from sitting there and building a nest. If you let thoughts sit in your mind, it's just going to gain, gain route. You need to remove thoughts quickly if they're, not, if they're not godly thoughts. So how is it that we grow up in our thinker? How is it that we grow up and we mature in our mindset? But I love this. But in your thinking, be mature. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking, be mature. One of the marks of a mature believer is what we allow our mind to sit and soak on. What is it that occupies your mind? What happens in your thinker? 
Immediately, are you able, when thoughts come, when you're going through a season, when you're going through a tragedy, and you just sit and soak in your mindset, and it just goes to a bad place, are you immediately able to put your mind on things above and not on things of the earth? Are you immediately be able to sink the things above, seeking the things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of the Father? Are you immediately able to say, God, I trust in you in this. God, my mindset is going to your goodness. My mindset is going to your word. My mindset is going to you are my refuge, and you are my strength, and your very present help in time of need. God, my mindset goes to your word. What happened in the in this time and day that we live in that things are truly backwards here politically and in here even in the United States of America, which I love the United States of America, but I love my God and my Jesus and the word of God so much more. The Bible wasn't written for America. So we look at the Bible and say, okay, everything has to come through Bible eyes. We do live in a society right now that God says this is wrong, society wants to say that it's right. Which one are you gonna follow? God said there is a man and a, and a woman. God created male, female. It's not complicated. Man wants to screw that all up and say you have to believe what they want you to believe even though it makes no sense. Man wants you to believe that it's okay to be born a man as God's gifted you to be a man, but then to think that you're a woman. This transgender thing is becoming very dangerous, church. You need to know this. It's becoming very dangerous. This isn't a game. This isn't a game. The mature believer doesn't back away from that. The mature believer says, no, that's not wrong. You're mocking God. God knew from the beginning of time that he was going to make you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He created you a male or he created you, created you a female for his purpose and for his glory. And for you to mock that, well, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked for whatever man sows, he shall also reap. So where, 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 where is our thinker in this? See, the mark of a mature believer, you just realize it's not complicated. No, we don't, we don't have to debate this. We don't have to have conversation about this. That's silly. No, it's male and female, period. Not complicated. Uh, a man needs to be with a woman and a woman needs to be with a man. A man who wants to be with a man and a woman who wants to be with a woman, that's sin. God doesn't have it that way. That's not God's plan. It's not that complicated. God created life in the womb as a reward. Anyone who wants to kill that life in the womb, that's not God's plan. That's sin. Church, where is our thinker on this? And please hear me. You hear me say it constantly. This is not a political issue. These were all issues of scripture before politics ever became a dot. These are spiritual issues. We fight a very real enemy. He hates truth. He hates God's creation in mankind. Anything he can do to contaminate God's creation. And all of this is contaminating God's beautiful creation of male and female. God's beautiful creation of husband and wife. God's beautiful creation of marriage that God says is blessed. God's beautiful creation of life in the womb. It's beautiful. Satan just wants to contaminate that. Satan wants to dirty that up. Satan, well, I think one of the greatest tools in Satan's tool belt is confusion. But if you're a mature believer, you look at this and say, ah, this is just, it's just, it's just simple. It's not complicated. <laughs> if you're a biological man and you think you should play female sports and you somehow think they're being praised as being so strong, it's the opposite. You're very weak and you're a coward. 
And it's affecting how females have worked so hard to gain so much ground in their athletics to have Satan come in and just try to destroy that and try to cut the legs out of these, these amazing women who have trained and worked so hard to bring so much light to women's sports. For a dude to step on that and think that that's okay, you're a coward. That's, that's cheesy. Just, it's just, it's just should be never, ever allowed. It's wrong. And I do love what's happening in that. You see empty podiums. If there's a dude who's in a female sport and he gets first place, like he probably will, he stands on the podium alone because now they're starting to really push back against that. And I love it. I love it. You stand there alone and you look like a fool because you're acting like a fool. Church, what happens in the mindset of a mature believer when it comes to the things of the flesh, when it comes to the things of sin, It's not complicated. When you say, it's time for me to get off the milk and onto the meat. And I want to go through this. If you want to, I'm going to take you through the growing process of all of these different issues. And to get into, man, we're going to see this, this growth spurt begin to take place. We're going to begin to mature and we're going to begin to grow and we're going to go from faith to faith and we're going to begin to see ourselves being strong and there's this boldness that's going to come and there's this courage that's going to show up in my spirit that wasn't there. And it's this maturity of laying aside the things of the flesh. Even if the world says it's okay, if God says it's sin, it's sin. If the world says it's good, but God says it's sin, it's sin. And I'm going to identify that. And it's not going to be complicated for me to identify that because I want to walk in the maturity of one who was called by God to be his. Incredible. Incredible. And next week, I'm excited because we're going to get into a mature believer really understands the perspective of eternal life. The mature believer realizes this is not my home. Everything here is just a temporary, man. It's like a tent. But there will be a day because I am in Christ. There will be a day that I will have everlasting eternal life. And what happens when you live your life through the lens of eternal life. You don't live your life for the now. You don't live your life for the temporary. You live your life for the eternal. It changes everything. It changes everything. I want to talk about that next week. Come on, if we could just stand on our feet, please. Come on, if anybody wants prayer for any reason, as we close in a song, if you need prayer for any reason, please come up front. If you want to talk about Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Come on, Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. Your word is alive and powerful, and it speaks to us, and we're thankful for it. Let this word sit in our hearts in Jesus' name.